If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 8. I hope that you enjoyed last week. We had our Vision Sunday, and so uh, seeing where we're going at um, in our year of 2018, again, I hope that you will join a community group. Our community groups will be asking questions and having discussion on our uh, sermon uh, from that past Sunday. we were digging into the passage, so I encourage you to, again, be a part of that. One thing I did want to say about Vision Sunday, a couple of people have asked me a really good question. They said, Adam, you said we have 10 babies in our nursery. Who are those 10 babies? And I thought, oh, we could have a baby parade real quick. But really, what those babies, who those babies are, that's from birth to two years old, all in, in one class. So from give or take, uh, every Sunday, we have potentially 10 in there each week. And so if you are wanting to serve in that area, we could still use folks who want to go down there and love on our kiddos. And that would be tremendous if you would love to serve in that way. Previously, as we've been going through our series through the Gospel of John, we have seen some pretty profound claims by Jesus. Jesus is making some really uh, strong claims on who he is. He said with the woman at the well, he said, I am the living water. Anyone who would drink from him would never be spiritually thirsty again. Jesus was talking, if you believe in me, your life, your life, you will never be thirsty again. You'll never have to look to anything else for satisfaction in your life. Jesus said, especially after he fed the 5,000, that he was the bread of life. And that anyone that would eat from him would be spiritually satisfied. And you remember, we saw about a month or so ago, that was not an easy teaching to take on, right? Remember, there was many disciples who left him, who abandoned him, because they thought that he was literally talking about eating him. Cannibalism is what they thought. And they said that this teaching was hard or offensive, which of course it would be. If they had, but if they understood what he was talking about, he was talking about spiritually Jesus has said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness and confusion or in sin. Jesus recently, he began making claims that he was a deity. You see how his claims are kind of escalating? Jesus started out with the woman at the, at the well, the Samaritan woman. He started out and he was just saying, I am the living water. Drink from me, you'll never be thirsty again. And now it's escalating to the point where Jesus, we just saw this a couple weeks ago, Jesus said, I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Throughout, John has been talking about the equality and the shared authority he has with God the Father. So recently, as we've seen in John, Jesus is making some really strong claims to deity. And these claims... And many more of Jesus did one of two things. As you read through the Gospels, you will see these claims. And it did one of two things. One, people would leave and walk away. They would leave and walk away. And now recently we're beginning to see the religious leaders have been seeking to kill him for these claims. So they would either leave, walk away, or try to make plans to kill him. Or two, they would believe. Well, previously here in John chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 30 that Brenda read for us. It's where we'll start. But previously here in John chapter 8, Jesus had uh, an adulterous woman had been brought to Jesus. She had been caught in her sin of adultery. 
And Jesus told these religious leaders, they were following the law of Moses, and the law of Moses stated that if you were caught in adultery, you would be stoned. Well, they were getting ready to stone her. But what did Jesus say? Anyone remember this? What did they say? What did Jesus say to them? He said, the one without sin cast the first stone. Well, that's a, that's a momentum killer, isn't it? And so they put their rocks down and they left. And Jesus told the woman, he asked her, he said, well, where are the ones who condemn you? Where are they now? And she says, they're not here anymore. And Jesus said, no more do I condemn you. And we've talked about how there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, as it says in Romans 8, 1. Well, of course, they were all uh, had a hard time with this. And Jesus began to say, I am of my father. Uh, he even said that if you knew me, you would know my father. And they, they sought to seize him, to capture him. And Jesus began to predict his departure, that he was going to go back to heaven. So over and over and over again, we see these claims to being God that Jesus is making. So we're going to see more of this reaction and more of the teaching of Jesus through this. So look at verse 30. We're going to walk through this passage again. This is verse 30. It says this. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to the Jews, and remember, every time we see the Jews, he's not talking about, the, the scripture's not talking about the Jewish people, they're talking about the Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Jesus responded, truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. I know you are descendants of Abraham, but you are trying to kill me. Because my word has no place among you. I speak what I have seen in the presence of the Father. Again, another claim to deity. So then you do what you have heard from your father. Verse 39. Our father is Abraham, they replied. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus told them, you would do what Abraham did. But now you are trying to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You're doing what your father does. We weren't born of sexual immorality, they said. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me because I came from God and I am here. For I did not come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Who among you can convict me of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? The one who is from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you are not from God. Whoa. Wow. 
There's a lot to unpack here, so let's start working and weaving our way through this passage. So there were many who believed in Jesus. There was many everyday people like you and I who believed in Jesus from his teaching. They believed that he was God. And included in this group of people were the Jews, the religious leaders. And Jesus kind of pulls them aside. And Jesus makes a statement that I want us to unpack a little bit together. That if the Jews, the religious leaders, would continue in his word, they really were his disciples. And, and as that abiding in what Jesus said, then they will know the truth and the truth will set them free. So let's camp out on this. So look again at verse 31. Look at that. Let's unpack this a little bit. Jesus said, if you continue in my word... The word continue, that can be translated a few different ways. I've got the Christian Standard Bible in front of me. I know that there's a variety of different translations out there. But that word continue can be translated to hold, to abide, to remain. Does anyone have those words in the translation that you have in front of you? Okay, I thought so. All right, so it can mean to hold, to abide, to remain. So Jesus is saying an evidence of a disciple, and you may be here this morning, and that word disciple may be confusing to you. So a disciple is someone who claims to be a follower of someone, okay? A follower, a student of. So someone who claims to be a follower of Jesus is that they hold on to what he says. They abide in what he says. They remain in what he says. So if you and I claim to be a Christian a follower, a disciple of Jesus, then we will hold and abide in what he says. So that means an evidence of being a follower of Jesus, a Christian, is to obey what Jesus says, to seek to understand better what he says, and then as we do that, we find it more and more precious and glorious, even when others oppose it. So genuine faith in Jesus is one that holds tight to what Jesus says, holds on to it, abides in it, lives in it. So the question that you and I have to ask ourselves if we claim to be a Christian is, do we hold tight to what Jesus says? Do you hold tight to what Jesus says? Do we find it more precious and glorious than anything else that life can give? Do we seek to understand what he says better? If you have those evidences in your life, that is an evidence of genuine faith. I've said a few times one of the most wonderful years of my life was I spent four years as a student pastor, as a youth pastor, working with middle school and high school students. And that last year, I worked with college students a lot. And one of the biggest questions that I was asked of teenagers was, Adam, how do I know if I really, truly believe what Jesus says? If I really, truly am a Christian, if, I believe, if, I'm, if I'm a believer? How do I really know that when I die, I will go to heaven? Had that all the time. Because the students that I worked with, we had about 50 students in our student ministry, and I had kids all around, uh, all from different backgrounds, but a majority of them had grown up in Christian homes. And they had gone to church really since the day they were born, 
And they had their, they remember, many of them remembered saying prayers and asking Jesus into their heart at four years old, five years old, six years old, as young children, and their parents being well-meaning. I remember talking, I've talked about Josh Henson, he ended up leading worship for our student ministry, and Josh came to me one day, he was 16 years old, and Josh was just broken, you could just tell. And he told me the story of when he was seven years old, that his parents uh, basically presented him with the option, like, if, you're a, if you ask Jesus into your heart, you can go to heaven with us, or the, if you don't, then, and you die, you'll go to heaven with Satan and his demons. And I'm sure they were well-meaning, but that's not a very good option to lay out before a seven-year-old. Because seven-year-olds are very intelligent human beings, and they can do cost-benefit analysis on their own. And Josh said, well, obviously, I'll say a prayer so I can go to heaven with you. And he did. So then, almost 10 years later, as a 16-year-old, he said, Adam, I do not know if I'm a Christian. And in those four years, I had conversations over and over and over again with teenagers like that. And one of the questions I would ask them, do you have evidence in your life of genuine faith? Do you have those evidences? Because I can't sit here and I can't determine your faith for you. I'd love to, but I can't. So one thing, as 1 John mentions, is to examine our lives. And so I examine your life. Do you have evidences of genuine faith? And so you could be sitting here today, and maybe you've been here in church, you've been in church your entire life for many, many, many decades. And maybe perhaps you ask yourself the question, do I have genuine faith in my life in Jesus Christ? Well, my, I guess, spiritual counsel to you would be, Examine your life for evidences of genuine faith. And one of these evidences is holding tight to what Jesus said. Because Jesus says in verse 31, If you continue in my word, if you abide, if you hold to my word, you really are my disciples. See, Jesus here is really just calling the situation out on the carpet. Because many people were following Jesus to see the circus, to see the show. And as soon as Jesus would say something that they, would, they did not like, they would walk away from it. So these people had seen that, and Jesus is saying, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. So there is a, that is an evidence of genuine faith, a perseverance in following Christ. Now, here's a benefit of this. Look again at verse 32. He says, if you continue in my word, you really are to my disciples. And there's a tremendous benefit that the believer receives. Verse 32, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. So so if one who claims to follow Jesus holds tightly to what he says, there's a tremendous benefit What's that tremendous benefit? Look at it. What's the tremendous benefit of continuing and holding to what Christ says? What's that benefit? Freedom. Freedom, The knowledge of truth. The knowledge of truth. I say this a lot, but the reality is in each of our lives is that we each are on a quest for truth. I hope you're on a quest for truth. Otherwise, why are you here? We are each on a quest for truth. We want to know the truth. What is life all about? 
Why is there evil in the world? We ask these big universal questions, and we want to know the truth. We are on a quest for truth. And even if you say, it could be, you could be here and say, well, Adam, there is no truth. Well, then you are seeking out the truth that there is no truth, so that you're contradicting yourself. There has to be a source of truth. There has to be. There's got to be a source of it. And it can't be you. And it can't be me. Because we have our biases and our preferences. So we have to find the source of that truth. And here is what Jesus is claiming right now. And this is a massive truth. He is claiming, I'm that source of truth. I'm the source of all truth. Now you might be sitting here and you say, Adam, I don't believe that Jesus in and of himself can be that source of truth. Okay. Okay, you can believe that. But as we're seeing all these claims of Jesus, see all these claims of Jesus in the gospel, and you see just the sheer fact that Jesus is the most talked about figure in all of human history, you have to, if you are on a quest for truth, you have to be at least curious about him. You have to at least be fair and research out who he is. And as you seek to know him and understand him, I firmly believe that you will come to the conclusion that Jesus is the source of all truth. Now, there's something really key about this truth of Jesus, this truth of who he is, because he tells these religious leaders, he says, it will set you free. So here Jesus begins to open up that truth. And what is that truth? It's a truth of freedom. Many people believe that the teachings of Christ and the teachings of Christianity are, um, are, are, are heavy laden, that they are burdensome, that they, that they don't allow for human freedom. But that is not the truth that Jesus is saying. The truth sets you free. So the teaching of Christ and the Christianity, there's nothing more freeing than that. Because look at verse 34. Let's unpack the truth. What is that truth? What is that nut? What is that treasure chest of truth? What does it contain? Look at verse 34. Jesus responded, Truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. So the first part of this truth that Jesus is sharing is that every human being is a sinner. You say, Adam, really? Are we really sinners? Yes, absolutely. Like I look at my own life my own brokenness in my life, and I'll just be honest, my life can be a wreck. It can be an absolute wreck. I can be angry. I can be incredibly selfish. I'm depraved. I'm sinful. So I just look at the reality of brokenness in my life, and that lines up with what Jesus is saying. Truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin, and he says everyone commits sin, is a slave to sin. So if we're honest and we examine our lives, we will understand, and some of us have an easier time than others admitting this, but we will understand brokenness. We will see there's brokenness in our lives, and that's a result of sin in our lives. And Jesus says we are a slave to sin. In our own human nature, we cannot help but sin. We will sin over and over and over again. It'll be maddening, and it'll be frustrating. So we're all in this state of slavery. 
Jesus even expounds a little bit more on this state of slavery we find ourselves in. Look at verse 43. Skip down to verse 43. He describes the one who has us in, in captivity. He says, you don't understand what I say because you cannot listen to my word. You are of your father the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks of his own, from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus here, he's saying we have a captor. And it is the devil, Satan. Now, I know there's an idea that the devil or Satan in the Bible, that the Bible talks about is a primitive idea, that it's not real, that it could just be an allegory or those kinds of things. It's a belief for the simple-minded. But Jesus, who is claiming he's a source of all truth, speaks of Satan, speaks of the devil, and is even tempted by him in Matthew 3 and 4. So as we begin to unpack who Jesus is, if you, we have a hard time believing in Satan, it's really not Satan who we're having a hard time believing in. We're having a hard time believing Jesus. So to not believe in the devil is not to believe what Jesus said. And Jesus describes him as a murderer. And Jesus is talking to people who are seeking to murder him. And Jesus is saying, you're, just as I do what my father does, you're doing what your father does. He's a murderer. He's a liar. There's no truth in him. So through sin, we are held captive. But then Jesus, it doesn't stop there. So we're unpacking this truth, the truth that sets us free. This truth that sets us free. So we're a slave to sin. We're sinners. But then verse 36, look in verse 36. Jesus says, So if the Son sets you free, you really will be free. Now, this blows the minds of the Jewish people. It blows their minds because they were saying they were sons of Abraham, and they were. For these Jewish people, family heritage is really, really important. How many of you have done the, the, the family tree study, like maybe on Ancestor.com, any folks like that? So have you ever been around someone that's really, really proud of their heritage? It's usually an Italian, Right? The Italians are really proud of their heritage. I have a brother-in-law. His name's David, but he goes by Rocco, okay? He is an Italian of Italians, lives in Providence, Rhode Island. My sister's married into an Italian family. It's nuts. Greek people, my big fat Greek wedding, right? They're really proud of their heritage. Irish people, right? We have a whole holiday devoted to the Irish people, right? Have you ever been around someone that really loves their heritage, well, that's who these Jewish people are. They, our father is Abraham. They're really proud of it. They said they were sons of Abraham and that they were chosen of God. And because they, were, they had the idea that because they were descendants of Abraham, God had chosen Abraham and his family, that they were spiritually free. They thought, I have a relationship with God because Abraham was my father. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. Absolutely not. He says, only true freedom comes from who? The Son. You see that in verse 36? This might be capitalized in your Bible like it is mine. The Son. He says, the Son sets you free. You really will be free. So for the last few weeks, Jesus has been establishing, I am God the Son. God is my Father. 
And now he's saying, the Father has given me the authority to give you spiritual freedom. So in the truth, Jesus is saying, okay, we're again, we're taking it back to truth. What is this truth that Jesus is talking about? What is this truth that is so freeing? So Jesus is saying, you are a slave to sin. You are sinful. But now Jesus is saying, yes, you are a slave to sin. You are held captive by sin. But now I offer freedom. I offer freedom. And how did Jesus do this? Well, first, Jesus did this by coming to this planet as God, to identify with us. Jesus, our rescuer, the one who gives us spiritual freedom, he came. He is not a God who does not understand what we are going through. Oh, no, Jesus knows exactly what we go through because he was a human being. So Jesus was a human being. And then as we know, with hindsight being 2020, they didn't know this then, but we know now, Jesus died. He died on the cross. And on that moment in his death that Jesus took upon all the sin, past, present, and future, Jesus took all the sin of the world upon him. And at that moment, also called atonement, at that moment, when Jesus died, The wrath of God, as we just sang in Christ alone, was satisfied. And that wrath, all the sin of the world came upon him and he died for it. To offer reconciliation. To offer cleansing. But the beauty of, and the reason why you and I are here this morning, is he was resurrected. He, def- he put the final nail in the coffin of sin and the consequence of sin death by being resurrected, and now he offers spiritual freedom through his resurrection. See, faith family, yes, we can look at that. That's called the gospel. And it's the good news. In reality, so this truth that Jesus is talking about with these people the truth that we are slaves to sin and that he offers spiritual freedom, that is the gospel. That's the truth. And it sets us free. Many of us, if you perhaps have grown up in church, maybe you haven't. And if you haven't, I encourage you to read the book of Exodus. you remember Moses? Right? Moses, whenever I imagine Moses, I think of Moses. I think of Charleston Heston and the Ten Commandments. Anyone else do that? That's what I think of. But Moses, there in Exodus, God's people, Israel, they were slaves there in Egypt. They had no freedom. They were in bondage and captivity for 400 years. That's a really long time. 400 years ago, the pilgrims hadn't even come to the United States yet. Okay, so think of that. They were in captivity, slavery for 400 years. And God sends Moses into Egypt. And what did Moses do? He led them out of captivity. That's why they call it the book of Exodus. Read it if you haven't. And Moses leads them out of captivity to freedom. And Moses, yes, he's a hero of the Old Testament, but he's more than that. He's a picture of what Jesus was going to be. Jesus was going to come, and he was going to lead his people, the church, that's you and I. 
And he was going to lead us to freedom, not by walking out in front of us, no, by dying for us. And he was going to lead us to freedom. And that spiritual freedom, a relationship with God, and Jesus has done that. Folks, that is the truth. It sets us free. That is the gospel. So Jesus is saying, if you want freedom... If you want freedom from sin, if you no longer want to be captive to sin, if you no longer want sin to control your life, I have the truth. It's the gospel. Believe me. If you want that spiritual freedom, believe Jesus. He offers that. So, all of us in this room, we have a large group. If we're in this room, we are in one of two categories. One, do you believe this? Have you seen the freedom from sin? Do you have freedom from sin and the brokenness that Jesus provides? Have you ever believed to where it brings life change, to where you experience freedom from sin? Not that you'll never sin again, believe me. Believe me. I still sin. I am broken. I'm a gigantic mess up. But there's freedom from it. Do you believe this? Do you believe in Jesus? Then number two, if you do believe this, continue in it. Hold to this truth. Hold to the gospel. Seek to understand it more and more, and the gospel. And this desire in your life, if you have it, to grow to understand and know Jesus better and to hold it, that is an evidence of that faith in your life. It will continue to change us. Becoming like Jesus is a process. And it's the gospel that changes us. So hold And embrace the gospel. And you will see more and more the glorious and the glories of who Jesus truly is. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for the freedom from sin that you provide. And God, we know that We are broken, we have sin on our lives, our lives are messed up, but you have in your plan, your redemptive plan, you offer spiritual freedom. So God, I pray for those here today, they just, they have not believed yet, they just don't fully understand. God, I pray that you would would bring them to a place of understanding the gospel, Open their eyes to their brokenness and know that only Jesus can offer them freedom. We thank you that Jesus is our Moses, that he leads us out of captivity from sin. And then, God, I pray for those that are here that are believers. They are followers of you. Oh, God, help us to continue in your word. Help us to grasp and to hold to the gospel that we would see more and more freedom in our lives. 
I pray that you would help us to hold to it, even as more and more we are confronted with those who do not believe it and are antagonistic towards the truth. Help us to hold to it. Give us the grace to hold to it. Give us the grace to proclaim it. So that they may know that you are Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.